Chapter 7 of On Two Feet and Wings. The bus dropped me off at the market, and I stood in the middle of the jostling crowd trying to find my bearings. It was just like it had been that morning. The milling people didn't care about anyone else. It didn't matter to them who they elbowed out of the way or who they scared. They only cared about getting to their destination as fast as possible. It was a good introduction to city life. I decided to retrace my steps from the gates of the market back to the hotel, so I crossed the road and walked to the entrance. I hoped that I would recognize the side road that led to the hotel. I knew it was not too far away, but the city was vast and it was easy to get lost. I'd been so worried about keeping my passport and money safe that morning, I had forgotten all about memorizing my path. Suddenly, I realized that I had written my to-do list on a sheet of hotel stationery after speaking to Baba the night before. I had the hotel's address and telephone number on it, and it was in my pocket. In the worst-case scenario, I could go into a shop and ask someone to show me how to get there. I felt better already. The people did not seem so bad, and they didn't seem to be pushing past me as much. I hadn't thought to bring that piece of paper with me. I had it only by accident. I'd have to think more clearly in the future. My eyes fell on a shop that I recognized as my landmark for the left turn into my side street. It was a small kebab shop, and I remembered it because the stench of raw meat coming from it had really hit me when I passed it that morning. I jogged happily down the side road. Immediately, there was a difference from the main street. It was quieter, dirtier. The people were not well-dressed, and the buildings were ugly. In the morning, I had not paid too much attention to my surroundings, as I had been distracted by Asal and Ali. Now, once again, the stench of coal and garbage hit me. I didn't understand how people could live in such a place until it dawned on me that I was one of those people. I was living here because, like them, I had no choice. In fact, I was delighted to be back at the hotel. It was my safety blanket in this foreign place. Murat was at the reception, showered and changed, but clearly tired and far from happy. Hello, Murat, I said. I thought you finished at noon. I was supposed to, he told me, but once again, my replacement hasn't arrived. One thing you'll discover is that I'm like the furniture always here. I see, I chuckled, but aren't you tired? You get used to it, he said as he took a drag of a cigarette. Did you have a good day? Yes, thank you. I purposely kept it short, but curiosity got the better of Murat. Did you swap money, he asked. Yep, I said, which reminds me, can I have my dollars back, please? I have the lira for you. Oh, sure, he sighed. Quite the clever one, aren't we now? I laughed, happy that for once I was being accused of being smart. Murat opened the safe and got the $50 out of what looked like a pile of American dollars. I gave him my lira, and he counted it to the last bill. Surprised that I had handed over exactly the right amount, he gave me back my 50 I looked outside. The sun was setting, and I could tell that I was going to be, it was going to be dark soon. Where can I buy some food and water? I asked him. There's a corner shop about 400 feet to the right down the street. You can't miss it. It's cheap, but the food is good. I thanked him and walked out. I was really hungry and thirsty and my head was pounding. The street looked ominous in the darkening evening and the distance to the shop seemed like the longest 400 feet in the world. If anything were to happen to me, there was nowhere to run. I kept my hands in my pockets, making sure my passport and money were there and walked quickly. Finally, I caught sight of the little shop at the corner of the main road. It looked like a cute shop, the only building that was lit and welcoming around in my street besides the hotel. I could smell all its delicacies from afar, the freshly made bread, the cheese, the meats, the vegetables. 
As soon as I opened the door, I felt like a little boy in a sweet shop. I wanted to buy everything, but I knew that I had to watch what I spent. A kind-looking gentleman was behind the counter attending to his shelves. There was a toasting machine that smelled so good I felt faint. It was a machine where you would put in a sandwich and push down the top. It would heat the contents of the sandwich. Roasted, diced lamb with tomatoes, onions, mushrooms, peppers, and herbs, and the toast bread. I had never seen a toaster like this before. I did not know how to speak Turkish, so I made a noise um, and then pointed to the meat. Iranian? Yes, I said, surprised at his Farsi. How much is that? This meat, he said with a laugh, it's called kawarma. A thousand liras for one sandwich. I see, I said. I was always thinking in dollars, and that seemed expensive. What about the yogurt? Oh, that is 150 lira for a tub. I wanted the kurvoma, but the price for the yogurt sounded much better to me. The yogurt would last me two days, and I needed water too, as I had been told not to drink the tap water in Turkey. I placed up a small loaf of bread and a tub of yogurt. That's all? Thank you, yes, I said politely. Are you here on holiday? Yes, I replied briefly as I paid him. I just wanted to get home and eat. How long? Not sure. Oh, I see, he said knowingly. It seems like all the Turks were aware of what I was doing here. So what's your name, little man? I could not understand it. None of the people who had talked to me knew each other, but everyone kept calling me little man. Was it some kind of conspiracy? It made me jumpy, and I wanted to get out of the shop as soon as I could, even though my instincts told me that he was a good man. Still, I knew I would be visiting his shop again, so I said, My name is Abbas Effendi. I had heard others call older men Effendi, which meant sir or mister. The man laughed. I think I will like you, Abbas, but I think I will call you little man. I ran, my fears chasing me like a large looming shadows all the 400 feet back to the hotel. It just wasn't fair. Everything was far too hard. I kept trying to tell myself that it would be all right and that my father would be pleased with how much I had accomplished that day. I knew that I had done well, and then I decided that they were to reward myself every Friday, the resting day in Iran, with a Kravorma sandwich. I would be something, it would be something to look forward to during the week. At the hotel, I walked past a dozing murat. I was scared that my things would not be there when I reached my room. However, I found that the bed had been made up with some more damp sheets and the bathroom looked a little cleaner. I slid open the cupboard and checked through my clothes. My papers, my family photographs, everything was intact. I stopped at their pictures, especially those of my mother. I missed her unbearably. I couldn't forget the way she had looked at the airport, on her knees, sobbing. I felt guilty for obeying my father. It was as if I had betrayed a sacred bond between my mother and myself. I had let her down by not even hugging her or kissing her goodbye. I lay the picture down on the bed so that I could look at them while I ate. I could just imagine Mama June asking me if I wanted tea. I gulped down a third of the water in one shot, ne neatly broke off the loaf of bread in half and dipped a piece in the yogurt. How good that tasted. I thought about how only a month ago I would have wrinkled my nose at such a measling offering. A month before, my biggest concern had been persuading Mama June to give me a snack. Things had certainly changed. Here I was living by myself, taking care of everything on my own. This was my first meal alone, and as before, the first was the hardest. I missed my mother's cooking and our conversations at mealtimes. I missed school, but most of all, I missed the security of my home. When I had eaten half of the yogurt and bread, I put the top back on and pot 
of the pot and placed it by the window to keep it cool. Then I wrapped the bread up in a plastic bag and kept it on the bedside table. I took another few sips of water and placed the bottle next to the bread. Now, what was I to do? It was not even 7.30 and I was bored. I trotted downstairs. Mira was at his usual post in the lobby. Hi, I muttered. You need to sleep. Thanks, doctor. I'll remember that. He gave me a little smile. I chuckled. I think he got a kick of my trying to entertain me. There's television. There's a television room if you have nothing to do. There is? Yeah, he smiled. Go down the corridor and to the left. Great, I said hesitantly, but I'm waiting for a phone call. I'll get you. Okay, thanks, Murat. This was the first thing that sounded like fun since I had arrived in Istanbul. In Iran, there were only two TV channels, and they were mainly programmed with shows that were famous religious figures would preach Islam. The corridor led to a small bar at the back of the hotel, which in turn led to a television lounge to its left. It was a small but nice room. There were a few Iranians sitting there drinking tea or beer. I settled down at the back of the room to watch whatever the other guests were watching. It was called Night Rider. What a show. It blew my mind. The hero in his spotty talking car would save the world against all odds and take on the baddies along the way. I loved it. All the Iranians were talking about it and how famous it was in the West. I could roughly make out what was going on. It was the car that excited me. It was amazing how it could see, talk, and help the hero in defeating the evil in the world. I sat there for a few hours. The programs were amazing. I had never seen an advertisement before either. I loved them too. I forgot about everything else. Suddenly, there was a little tap on my shoulder. Hello, you. It was a Asal. I was quite happy to see her as everyone in the lounge had company except me. No one had said anything to me and I had kept to myself. Hello, Asal. Nice to see you again. You're such a sweet little boy, she said gently, patting my cheek, which made me blush a little. Your mother taught you good manners. Yes, she did, I said quietly. So how did it go today, sweetheart? Oh, good, thanks, I said excitedly. I swapped $50 for a really good rate and then went to the consulate. I was excited that I had achieved all this, and in my excitement, I gave away a little more information than I should have. They told me about all the papers I need to get. My father is calling tonight, so I'll tell him what to send me. You are a clever boy, aren't you? I took that as a compliment and grinned back proudly. So what was your really good rate then? A deep voice asked. Ali had crept from behind the hard, the herd, some of our conversation. I didn't want to say anything, but I was cornered. I thought I should tell the truth so I could find out if I had been swindled. A thousand lira a dollar. A thousand, Nassau squealed. No way, Ali said with an arrogant smile. He's lying. He walked off, not even bothering to listen to what I had to say. I didn't lie, Asal, I said angrily. I don't lie. I believe you, sweetheart. Why doesn't he like me, I asked. What have I done to offend him? Nothing, my darling, she muttered, looking embarrassed. He doesn't like anyone. Surely he likes you, I said. She looked at me in a way that suggested the opposite, but her smile through her sadness. Yes, sweetheart. She was not fooling anyone. It was obvious that she was unhappy. Do you want a glass of tea? Oh, no, thank you, I said. My budget was very important to me, and I knew I could not afford such luxuries. It's okay, sweetheart. I'll buy it for you. You don't have to do that. I said, I have money. I know you do, but I want to treat you. I didn't want her to buy tea for me, and I didn't want to buy it for myself either, so I declined her offer one more time. I insist, she said stubbornly. I watched her go to the bar and ordered the tea. On her way, she said hello to a few Iranians, dropping her voice low. I pretended not to be listening, but I could hear some of what she was saying. 
She was telling them that I was alone and what a nice boy I was. I could hear all the ah and bless hymns. I pretended to watch the television, but I could not see out of the corner of my eye. One by one, everyone was turning to have a look at me. I could sense that the women were drawn to me while the men were not as interested. About 10 minutes later, Asal came back with a tea. She put it down in front of me. Enjoy, Abish, she said. She had tears in her eyes. Her tone of voice was so sad and low that only I could hear what she was saying. You take real good care of yourself. You hear me? Yes, I will, I said, surprised. She was making me nervous. Why was she speaking to me like that? Istanbul can be a nasty place. She kissed me on the cheek and left. Honestly, I could have done without her last comment. I was scared enough. Now I was frightened for her, too. Something was not right. I had completely forgotten about my father's phone call. Around 10.30, Murat ran into the lounge and called out, Abbas, quick! I jumped to my feet and ran toward the cubicles, reaching inside my pocket for the list of documents I needed. Murat held up his index finger to indicate the first cubicle. Maman, I shouted hopefully. No, it's me, my father said. Oh, hi, Baba. Can I speak to Maman? No, Ab. She's ill at the moment. Maybe tomorrow if she's feeling better. I could tell he was lying. Okay, I said, trying to hide my disappointed disappointment. There was a pause as my father gathered his thoughts. I didn't speak. I wanted to talk to my mother, and he was not letting me. How are you? he asked. Good, thanks, I said. And you? Oh, we're all fine, apart from your mother, who has the flu or something. Tell her I said hi. I will, he replied. So what happened today? Sorry? I was still in my own little world thinking about my mother. The embassy and the money changing, he snapped. Come on, Abbas, get on with it. I could not believe he was shouting at me. Tears were rolling down my cheeks, but I was determined not to let him know. Sorry, Baba, I said. I went to the market this morning and checked with all the money dealers, and I got the best price in town, which was a thousand lira to a dollar. Don't lie to me, Abs, he said. I got a thousand. Why does everyone think I'm lying? I never lie. All right, Abs, he said. Did you really get that much? Yes, I snapped. I swapped only $50 because the rate changes every day, like you said. Good boy, he said. That's amazing. I didn't think I could have done any better myself. Probably not. Nobody did today. There was a silence. He must have noticed the arrogance in my tone, but I honestly didn't care. I felt under unappreciated and unloved. He decided to ignore it. And the embassy? I went there by bus and I spoke to a man. He told me that I need your written permission for me to go to England. Mehdi's full name, address, telephone number, occupation, status of residency, and his written permission that his, he will be willing to be my guardian. He told you all that? Yeah. And you remembered it all? Yes, but I also wrote it down. I see, he said, sounding surprised. You did this all by yourself? No, I can't speak English or Turkish, so I asked an Iranian lady for help. She agreed to translate. There was a long pause. I guess he could not understand how he had accomplished all of this. Well done. I decided not to thank him. After that, all I got was a, well done? So how are you, he went on. Good, I said. The hotel is great. The area is really nice in the day, and you're not spending too much money, are you? I felt sad and annoyed at the same time. I was going out of my way to make him proud, but did he have any faith in me? Did he understand what I was going through and how difficult it was? I was depressed. I was scared. I was hungry, and I was paranoid, and he didn't seem to understand any of this. No, Baba. I only bought my bus ticket and paid for my hotel, got my dollars back, and to eat, all I bought was a loaf of bread and a pot of yogurt in a bottled water. That's it? I swear. Okay, he paused again. You're a good lad. Just stay in the hotel. Don't leave unless you have to, and certainly don't go out at night. 
I will send you the documents as soon as I can, and I will call you the day after tomorrow at night. I can't call every day, Abs. It's very expensive. The papers will be with you soon, in about seven to ten days, I should think. That long? Yet another pause. Tension filled in the line. I know, Abs. You're just going to have to be strong for me, all right? I will. You take care. The phone clicked. I couldn't believe it. I had thought my father would be proud of me, and then he would say, I wish that he had not... I wished that he had not called at all. I knew it must be hard for him and for my mother too, but at least they had each other.